everyone. Welcome to the show. We are back in studio. I'm so excited. Woo. Today we have Jason Ree. He is a celebrity event planner. He's host of the Reality Podcast, and he's also sometimes my conference boyfriend when we go to work yes. conferences together. Jason, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It's also nice and cool in here. Thank you. Oh yeah, it's it's hard. Can you imagine if you were sweating? I mean, that, I'm that always sweating. <laughs> My body is constantly burning. You would think I have like, you know, like superhero metabolism. Do you run hot? I run extremely hot. Okay, so does when you sleep? Have you ever had a partner where they did not run hot and then? I think. Because, because then you I don't, run hot. You don't want to cuddle then. No, I mean you can only cuddle for so long before it becomes sweaty. No, well, <laughs> you get excited. Oh, <laughs> that was always my problem with spooning. I are you big spoon or little spoon? Uh, I think I'm big spoon. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, does it? Yeah, because when we kissed in that photo booth <laughs> that one time, what so Jason, yes, so Jason and I were at a, at a conference in the Bahamas, and there was a photo booth, like a photo station, and there was a couple in front of us, and they were doing a cute picture, like kissing. Yes, it was a cute couple, and they were, they like did a dip and a kiss, and then so we decided to copy them. Like should I don't we even kiss? know. Yeah, we literally just looked at each other and we're like, should we? Kiss. And we wanted to see because all the photos are posted like online afterwards. And we're like, we won't say anything and see if anyone even notices. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to dip Jason and you do not like being like the submissive one because oh, you were really you were not letting me. I'm like, you need to I think that release. just wait. I think that just means I'm not flexible. <laughs> no, I feel like you did not want to be vulnerable. Your your neck like tensed up. I'm oh. like, relax, relax into me. Interesting. <laughs> I think that means I need a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but you did tell me that you, you prefer to be the top. Oh, sexually? Yeah. Yes. The more dominant. Yes, right? I am dominant. Absolutely. Well, I think people assume that I'm a bottom because of my lisp and, <laughs> and like my, my, my physical presentation. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I have pink hair. So I think people think that I'm usually more feminine in the bed. But I don't know. I, I, I actually don't even, I think I... I mean, are we just getting right into anal sex? It's, that's it's open, so okay. We can talk um, anything. <laughs> um, I don't know. I actually don't even think I need anal sex. I think everything before anal sex it's is fine. even so much fun. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I agree. Yeah, I agree. a good makeout session. Seriously, sometimes a good makeout session oh. is better than like mindless like oh, penetration. Abs, abs, mindless, but I mean, <laughs> like, or, you yeah, know, not not I, connected. I, <laughs> <laughs> penetration. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I I think that there's, I mean, I don't know. I, I used to, in my 20s, when I'd go out to the gay bars, I think the, the mission of the night was to find a boy and kiss him, like to make out with a stranger in the hip hop room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was always like my favorite activity. So I, a good make out. I'm like always down for a good make out for sure. Are you dating right now? <laughs> no. no. I I actually have been preparing for this question. <laughs> Um, cause I know you talk about relationships a lot. I think, I think I've been in a long-term relationship with my job. Like I've literally prioritized it over anything else. And I think that's kind of what's been taking over. But within the pandemic in the last two years, I think I'm finally kind of preparing myself for the next chapter of, of romance. But, um, I don't know. It's also just, it's slim pickings. <laughs> 
is it? I feel like Pickens. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm also very shallow. (laughs) Okay. What like what do you what are you looking for in a partner? I mean, I would love somebody tall with pretty teeth and big nose. Um, That's pretty much I I like guys that look like goons, not like the mob boss, but the goon. What's the goon? Like, the you know, the goon that's behind the mob boss in like movies. Okay. They typically have like, you know, kind of like droopier eyes, wide nose. Masculine. Oh, is that what that is? I mean, that's a bit like big nose. Like that sounds <laughs> yeah. like tall, masculine. Yeah, I mean, I, I do tend to go for more masculine guys, but I do like height. I'm I'm five eight, so I'm I'm you know I'm not I'm not blessed with the height, but um, I think I would like somebody tall. And I think personality wise, I think I just want somebody who is committed to doing something great, and they don't have to be there yet. Like they could be on the journey, but like I would like for somebody to have passion and. And, and want to make impact and, and be a part of the community, you know, whatever community that is. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people say that. I agree. Like, because yeah. you can tell when someone, even if they're not there yet, yeah. you can see in their work ethic and passion if they're on their way. Well, yeah. You. And I, I kind of feel like I'm, I've been that person for so long. Like, I still feel like I'm on that, that bicycle, like trying to get up the hill. And I think I just would love to find somebody who's either on that path with me. It would be nice if I found somebody who was at the top that was like, here, let me give you a, yeah. let me give you a hand. <laughs> Here's some money. Yeah, I would love that. But I also, I don't think that's in my, de- I don't think that's in my cards. And I don't know if I would actually enjoy being sponsored. You know? I, that's true. Because a lot of us, we think like how I think about like the moms in Brentwood, like the wives oh, in Brentwood. Yes. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like the life that they live, Basically, if I didn't have to worry about money, I would be doing the same thing they're doing, which is throwing parties to raise money for charities that, yes. Philanthropy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I do want to do that. The difference is I'm, I'm going to make my own money because I also, I want to make my own money. There's something different when you earn it yourself. Yes. I love to spend money and I love to spend money on stupid things. And I can't do that if I'm spending someone else's money. So I got to make money. (laughs) What if he doesn't care and lets you spend it however you want? I mean, I feel like if I find someone like that, there's going to be a compromise on the other end. Like, you know, they're four foot three or, you know, and again, I could work with, I mean, I don't want to be height a heightist is that a thing <laughs> i'm gonna be canceled by short people because i'm still in the short category but um i don't know i feel like i would i wouldn't be happy being sponsored even though i joke about it all the time how much life would be so much easier if i if somebody if some you know rich man wanted to be like you are the perfect type for me i would love to pay for all your bills and all you have to do is work out you know <laughs> no it's true there's something i think um with entrepreneurs, especially, like we love the build and the climb. Yeah, it takes a little grit, and when you don't have <sighs> the pressure to do that, you know, when there's no drive to do yeah. that, it like life feels very boring. One, well, you know, again, I appreciate my journey, but I'm fucking tired. <laughs> it's and I'm what tired. You, what you do is very demanding, like physically. Yeah, I mean, you're it's wearing your, demanding. your Cole Haan shoes. Anyone in the event industry will well, know. Look, okay, Cole you know what? Hans... Hold on. Let me just show you guys. There's yeah. a doc. There, yeah. There's a you, there's a gel pad in you here. You need those. Yeah. Because I'm I'm at that point in my in my I age. just bought some. <laughs> They're fantastic. <laughs> I got so excited too when I bought them. I was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm so excited to put my my gels in, and it feels fabulous. But also, these Cole Hans are not sponsoring me, but they should sponsor me. Use my promo code. Um, <laughs> they're the most comfortable shoe ever. 
They are. Yeah. They are. I use, for those who don't know, I did uh, wedding and event photography for 15 years. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, finding the Kohan shoes are one of the best. Photography is also, to know that you have to have that photo. That pressure. And God forbid, like, anything happens to that content. It's like, stressful. It's, that's stressful. But also, I, I dabbled in photography during the pandemic. And the culling of images, which is when you, like... I mean, you 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 know, calling of images. <laughs> no, 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 but it's good. To, no one yeah. else does those. Calling so. of images is like when you take all these photos and you have to like essentially sort through them and then pull the ones that you want to present and color and correct. I, I'm a hoarder. I'm a digital hoarder. So I just would have like eight photos of the same. This would be the variance. I'll look at it for like three hours and be like, which one's better? Oh, and it's like, but what about being an event planner? Do you have to be decisive? I do, which I think is in a different pocket in my brain I think I think making decisions and you know they say that being an event planner or wedding planner is one of the most stressful jobs it's actually a newsweek every year we'll like roll out the 10 most stressful jobs and I think there's like a a stock image of like a girl with a clipboard and a radio and she, it says like event planner between I think like firefighter and like army army vet it's like in between that is most stressful job and so it is stressful and it's taxing and I think that's what I didn't Realized in my 20s when I had the dream to be J-Lo, you know, in Wedding Planner. I didn't realize that my body at some point is not going to want to stand for, you know, 15 hours. On top of all the emotional and energy work that we're doing just to be present for that is, X amount of couples per year, right? That is exhausting. And because you're the event planner, I'm sure you, you kind of emotionally have to be there for them from the beginning. Yeah. That's a lot. Well, Brian Green, uh, another planner that I just had on my podcast, he kind of said it best, but he sells the best friend experience when he's doing weddings. And I realized that that's what I've been essentially doing for the past 15 years is I've been supporting people with my supporting my clients in a way that a friend would and but also being able to take tasks and finish them and then also take them and execute all of the dreams that they have. And I think it didn't dawn on me until the pandemic and that pause that we had, which I know everyone's sick and tired of hearing about the pause and the pandemic and the pivot. Um, <laughs> It really was, it, it, it really, I really began to understand what that, what that means, what it means for me to show up for somebody and do that and what the cost of that should be, you know, which oh. is what it has helped me advocate for my rates. Oh, absolutely. You deserve yeah. every penny. It's so much time and so yeah. much energy. And you're right. That's what people want is like a best friend on the day. Yeah. Because I've, I've worked with tons of planners. Where I, it's just such a difficult job. And I think you have to be a very dynamic person to do it well. Yeah. Some people, maybe they are very efficient, but just not warm. I'm like, I don't like being around you. Yes. And it, I think I think that was also maybe not every planner thinks this way, but my job isn't just to service the couple that day or the client. It's also to service the 15 to 20 vendors and yeah. creative partners that we have on each event yeah. and to make sure that you feel supported. Yeah. And because without you and without your work, I would not be able to sell my work because I would have no imagery of that work. And in order for you to be able to be set up for success, I have to cue you up to be able to take that image. And I think people don't realize that when, you know, when a new generation of, you know, creative people that want to do wedding and events because they think it's so pretty and fun and like all the Pinteresty stuff, it's like there's actually like so much work that goes along with it. And I think the amount of time that we put in with our craftsmanship, like with what you do, like you've literally created 
beautiful work by also failing and also experiencing what it's like to work with really shitty people and then being able to take all that skill and then executing it perfectly. So I think that's why we charge what we charge. And that's why photographers also charge what they charge now. They're in the $30,000, yeah. you know, 32, 35, yeah. like that's why they charge it because they did it so many times and they learned the perfect way to navigate your event or your wedding and then give you the, the work for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So I would like to hear more about your long-term goals and what that would look like with a possible partner. Like, okay, first let's share your goals. I know what they are, but please share yeah, yeah. your long-term goals. Like my career goals? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my career goals is actually a lot. My like, it's the same bucket for me. Life and career has been together for so long, which I don't know if that's healthy. So any therapist out there, maybe DM me, um, especially if you're a hot man. Um, <laughs> I would love to my 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 end goal would to be like an Oprah, right? To be able to uh, gift opportunity to the world by also bringing joy and love and empathy and kindness, but being able to gift opportunity and build, you know, equity for other people, I think would be the dream. Um, I think I would love to do TV and do film and docu series and kind of be the face of hospitality and. Um, advocate for also our community and people that work as servers yes. and bartenders and, you know, busters and run just how hard people work for other people to experience something positive and pleasant, like a two hour dining experience, you know, oh. who, who and how many people actually are working towards you having a great meal experience, Absolutely. you know, I totally think everyone in their lives should work in the service industry oh, at some a hundred percent i think it should be a curriculum in high school and college and without it you can't graduate i totally agree yeah. have you ever served or i waited you... tables for like yeah. so many years yeah cheesecake factory shout out to my cheesecakers <laughs> all white you used to wear all white from like that's little right. shoe to the top that's, like it was right. all white <laughs> And my mother used to crease my shirts for me out Aww. of the laundry because we had to have creases down our apron. You know, I was a district trainer. <laughs> Shout out to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, my I think my I think I would also love to be the first gay minority late night host on 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 network TV. Like, be the first because I know that they've had a few try, but not on network television. It's you know, mm. so I, I would like to be the next James Corden or yes. You know, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. You would be so good at that. I would love that. I mean, you also, you have an acting background, right? I do. I started in theater in high school and or middle school, actually. And uh, I mean, the parts then weren't that great. I was like, I played like Ricky Ricardo in a, in a school production. And everybody was like, why is this kid from Up playing Ricky Ricardo? This kid from Up. <laughs> um, but, you know. I, I think that also taught me so much, just being comfortable on stage and being able to talk to people. And I didn't realize how much that is a skill now. It's like to be able to communicate with people and talk to people, make people feel something yes. joyful. I guess that's not uh, an intention for everybody in life. This is true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I want to respect all types of people. I get it. Like there's a lot of people that are introverts and I'm in many ways an introvert too, but uh I know theater and I think waiting tables have kind of added so much value to my life. So it's been able to get me into rooms and be able to navigate rooms in a more comfortable way and being able to, you know, spark joy and, and win people over and and then essentially build my, my equity, you know. 
Got it. Yeah. So as you're working, as you're building towards this, just say a partner comes into the picture, like what does support look like to you in your mind? Like would he be with you all the time? Would he do, like would you have separate careers and he's just like, you do you, babe? Yeah, I mean, my, my last relationship was quite a long time ago. And I think at that time, I really wanted somebody that could be a power couple, right? Like somebody that you can build with. I think now, I think I just would like somebody who is excited for my success because I get excited for other people's success. And I also didn't realize that that was not something that everybody, (laughs) I I didn't realize that people didn't like other people winning. I think everybody should win. And yes, I'm competitive. So if I'm going to play a board game night with you, I definitely want to win. But in life, I want everyone to win. I would love for you to be successful. And if that means that you get a show, I would be rooting for you and be so excited for you and hopefully be in the green room as one of your, you know, VIPs. Um, (laughs) But I... I think I would just want to find somebody who is excited for life and excited for success and not um, and and kind of comfortable with also, you know, experiencing a little bit of the darkness stuff, like not somebody who's so resistant to any type of work that also comes with being in a relationship, which I mean, again, I've been single for so long, so I understand how much time that it takes to dedicate to that. Absolutely. And I would say that's a necessity for a long-term relationship because that's a part of life. Things are not, unless you have a very superficial relationship where you don't go deep and you avoid certain things, there's going to be downs. There's ups, downs. Yeah. The wins and the woes, like I talk about, right? Like I think with every win, there's a woe and with every woe, there's a win. And it's, it's kind of like this everlasting, exhausting experience in this life. But I think it's taught me so many things. And so you know, I think when I'm, I don't know if I'm even ready to be in a relationship yet, because okay. I think there's still so much I want to do with my career. But I know that that's also probably not the healthiest thing to be like, well, when I, when I make it, I'll then find a husband, you know, and I don't even know if I really want to get married as a, <laughs> as a wedding planner. I know it's probably forbidden to say that, but I don't know if I want to get married. Yeah, it's I mean, I just love that times are changing that it's not just one way to do things yeah there's so many ways to be happy being single is so fun and so fulfilling if you have great friends a career you love yeah hobbies like it's It's, so it's it's like it's it's like having a pet and again i'm going to be canceled by short people and now (laughs) pet moms and dads everywhere but having a pet is so exhausting it's so much work like a toddler it's it's a child and you have to give them so much of your time and i love animals but i also am realistic with what i want to spend my time doing and i don't have the capacity to show up for a dog every day yeah. that I should. And I, I know I should. So if I'm ready to do that, you know, and if I ever do that, I, I probably will do that. But um, it's like even having kids. I don't know if I really want kids, but I love kids. I love my parent. I love my friend's kids. I love, you know, strangers' kids. Like I'm always the first to comment on some baby. And also sometimes like parents will like not acknowledge me, which I think is also kind of weird, but it's fine. Like even with pets, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, your dog is so cute, and they're like, mm. like what, what the fuck is your problem? Not friendly. It's yeah. A, I, I find it strange when people aren't friendly. Sometimes. I don't even know. And 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 I do have to understand. I just learned this in in uh, my sobriety is that there's a difference b- between being kind and being nice, um. and not you don't have to be nice. You just have to be kind. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like. So I do understand that not everyone has to receive my joy, right? Like you don't have to acknowledge me, but 
you know, in my egotistical brain, I'm like, yes, like, why is it so hard to just smile back or just say, have a great day? <laughs> yeah, everyone's different. Yeah. Get your sobriety. Yes. Can we talk about this? Yeah. I did not know. I did like because we were partying at, yeah. in Bahamas. Yeah, 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 and yeah. to me, like I just saw like healthy social drinking. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that yeah. it was a thing for you. Well, it wasn't. It's not so much the drinking. It's what happens after the drinking. But I, I think. I'm, you know, I'm recently sober. So I, I think I got sober in February. And um, for me, it was more the narcotics and the and the fun stuff, the, the letters of the alphabet versus the alcohol. But I realized that alcohol for me was also kind of becoming a crutch where like after a long day or after like, you know, when I, when I used to wait tables after working like a double shift, I would want to go get shit faced. Okay. And it wasn't even to like go and rage. It was really just to unwind and then i started to think about like how much alcohol i'm consuming and you know they call it spirits for a reason like i i think in the in in the historical days and again i worked in liquor so i don't think that people shouldn't drink i think that if you can drink like they say responsibly and you can enjoy drinks and you can be responsible with it then i think great but i'm i'm a person of abundance and so you know for me it's like one is not enough and i have to just continue to go so um, it's been a really interesting experience with sobriety and um, I'm not a professional at it. I'm not like, you know, I'm going to meetings, but I'm not like really understanding the full 12 steps yet. I haven't read the book yet. Okay. okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just being sober is hard enough. Um, but I'm, it's been a really, really beautiful experience and, and to also kind of see the community and the whole world actually being so much more open to the conversations about sobriety and addiction and mental wellness and mental health. And, you know, I think I think it's just kind of the perfect time for me to get sober, you know, because I also really want to do great things. And, you know, when I'm hungover, the only thing that gets me out of bed is McDonald's fries and a Sprite. And I'm not going to find a husband that way. <laughs> I, unless he's into the same Yeah, and, thing but then and I don't know if I would just... be in him. <laughs> right. I don't want a man that's eating fries and Sprite every day. You know? <laughs> um, so did you decide that on your own, like, this is not healthy? Or did someone step in? Did someone say something? Um, you know, I think throughout the, it's kind of like with therapy. You know, I started therapy very late. I started therapy, I think, last year. And, you know, I think people have kind of commented about it. But even with my addiction, my addiction had kind of gone for so long and I never even called it addiction. I just thought I was in my 20s and 30s just having fun and partying. But um, I think it was more so I started to see it affect my life in a negative and I was beginning to not be able to show up for things or show up for people. And I was also not showing up for myself because I was numbing myself. And I think that part is the thing that took me many years to understand about addiction is that it's not so much the drug or the, the product that you're putting in your body. It's the it's what is creating that, you know, that force to make you do it. Yeah. And I think for me, it was my way of like numbing and checking myself out and being able to, you know, then recharge and then go out and like, again, be the joyful person that I, I think I am at my core. But even that too has been kind of a very interesting uh, thought for me is that it, did I create that persona of myself to survive with all of the different, you know, others being gay, being Korean American, growing up in a white community, wanting to be white, wanting to be straight? Like, did those factors of making a room laugh kind of more become a, a shield or armor to protect me? 
So that's like the thoughts I've been having with sobriety, which I'm like, you know, I love it. Yeah. And I'm still very new to the to the journey. You know, again, it, it was just in February. So um, I, I'm just really excited to do it. And I think if you can, again, I'm not like an anti-drug user. Like if you want to do drugs, like by all means, do whatever makes you happy. But if it starts impacting your life and it starts ruining your life, I think that's when you really need to look at the choices you're making. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also with going to therapy as you heal oh, as yeah. well, I feel like your your personality starts to kind of like break apart as one heals oh, yeah. as well. Have you noticed? I mean, yes, but I also, my first therapy experience, and again, I just went through BetterHelp. I do have a promo code somewhere, but I have to use it because <laughs> I'm not on BetterHelp anymore. But I started having a crush on my therapist. Oh. And I think it's called transference. It's an actual yes. thing that happens. Yes. And so that kind of also shifted to like, okay, well, why do I feel like I need this like admiration or this like relationship with the stranger? And then it just opens up more. So I think with therapy and getting comfortable enough to sit in a room and think about your feelings, it's kind of what starts the journey of like unpacking yourself, right? And it may not happen for everybody. And it took me years and years and years to go to therapy. And I really should have because I experienced a lot of trauma, but at the same time, like, I think you can still be a traumatized person, but still want, like, happiness and joy in life. And so I think it's that's really been my my journey. It's like figuring out how I can continue to be this joyful person, but not let my, like, trauma impact that and then make me make decisions that are not good for me, you know, while I'm out showing up for other people. Can we talk about some of your trauma? Yeah. You want to give some Yeah, let's example? go through it. You guys, have, you guys have like, is this a three-part? <laughs> Maybe just one, one, one of yeah. the most impactful things that I think, you know, I think I kind of said it before, but it was, I think, being the fat gay kid, you know, the fat gay Asian kid in a white community. I did not realize how... Um, I don't even want to say damaging because I, I I don't want to discredit the people that I had in my life at that time, like really good friends. I had a, a really good community of people at that time that, um, you know, really good friends. So I don't want to, when I talk about my trauma in, in high school and middle school and like even my experience, like looking for religions, like I was about to turn Mormon because I really wanted to be straight and be white. And I thought, well, what's the straightest and whitest thing? I could be Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also had a lot of Mormon friends at the time. And so I don't want to discredit any of those people because um, I still had a community at that time, but I think I was so insecure and I just was so ashamed of myself that I had to kind of just crawl myself out of that somehow. But I remember like, you know, always kind of, being sad about the way that I am or the way that I look and being ashamed about who I was that like now looking back on it, I'm like, man, I literally used to, the inner dialogue was just about like, don't show yourself, don't be yourself, don't, you know, don't be too feminine. So I used to like change the way that I talked. And like, I think one of my biggest like, uh, like fantasies in high school was like coming back the next year thin with a deeper voice. <laughs> and so like every summer break, I'd be like, oh my God, this is a summer that like my voice is going to change, you know, and my Adam's apple is going to like grow. I even had a dream in high school where I was like in the mirror and I was like, oh, and my Adam's apple was really tall. <laughs> like it was like huge. And I was like, oh yeah. 
and I think even one one year I like came back the first day and I like tried to talk deeper that year, but it la lasted about like twenty minutes. You're like this is exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting just showing up and being who you are, and so then to know that you have to like be inauthentic and change who you are for somebody else or for what you think other people want. Um, that's kind of a really big trauma that I think I've been unpacking. Um, and also just like being gay is also, you know, everyone, it, the idea of being gay, yes, is like, uh, it's, it's a woe is me situation. Yes, it's really hard. But it's more so also the factors of being gay and not being a gay white man. It's a very, very interesting thing. And I think what's happening now with the gay culture is that we still are focusing on gay white men. We're not talking about trans as much. We're not talking about the trans community or it's obviously getting better, but being a Asian gay man that doesn't look like, you know, a martial artist or it doesn't look like the guy that's in, you know, Puerto Vallarta with an eight pack, you know, I think that also creates a really interesting experience and, and a little trauma going to the gay bars and being called Pokemon or, you know, recently being sober, I've, I've gone to the gay bar, which is excruciating it's terrible um but i went into the bathroom of the gay bar in west hollywood and all of the posters that they decoupaged on the walls were all white men all ripped white men and then the only person of color was beyonce and i was like oh my god like i have been going to this city like i live in west hollywood i've been a proud west hollywood person i've you know played in the rainbow road on you know santa monica and robertson like for years and i never paid attention to the fact that we are literally being told every second of the day that your value is not enough if you are not a, a gay white a gay white man but also just a physically fit yeah gay white man and i think that part was really that's been a really interesting kind of thing to acknowledge now too where unfortunately how i can try really hard but i'm not going to be a gay white man you know, and hopefully I'll have an APEC at some point, but <laughs> as of right now, it's more like a keg. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting that you say that because it's true that, I mean, you would think that the communities who want to be included would oh, consider yeah. these things, right? I mean, not just gay community, but like the API community. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I love what's happening and that we're, you know, getting movies, more movies yeah. and things like that. But with these... um with the clickiness sometimes i sometimes it can become like you're doing exactly what you didn't like that the other people yeah. were doing and and again like i don't want to say that it's that clickiness only exists in the white spaces like i definitely see saw clicks growing up in the korean community i definitely didn't feel like i was a part of that community because i wasn't you know um you know i wasn't what a fit a korean male at that time and so that was also again another experience of being othered is like well i don't even fit in with the korean community and i don't fit in with the white community so where do i belong and so then again i was able to kind of like navigate and find this safe space in theater you know and again like people's idea of theater you think of glee and you think of like the nerds but like theater in my high school was not for the nerds it was actually kind of what saved me it was actually what put me in a, in, a, in a social class that was above because I was in theater. And I think, um, but I was able to find that safe space, you know? And I think it's interesting how inclusive communities can also discriminate, you know? And they can kind of also kind of shift people, make people feel a certain way. So when I 
now as I'm like in my late 30s and I'm like experiencing West Hollywood again, it's really, really problematic. You know, it's pretty terrible. And then to know that like the one gay bar that we had for gay Asians called Rage, shout out to Game Boy. It was a Friday night and it was the only club that catered to the gay Asian men and the also the people that liked gay Asian men. And that club has been taking over, you know, it was, it was bought and it was, I mean, it was sold and then it became this new super club. But, you know, it was the one safe space for gay Asian men in West Hollywood and now that's gone. And I think the, I think it's maybe there's a win and a woe to that. Maybe it's the segregation of it. That's maybe it's creating a more of a diverse pool, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when you walk into a bathroom in a gay bar in West Hollywood and you're looking at the the artwork that they put up and it's all white fit men, yeah, you, you kind of begin to go, well, what about me? Like, what about me? Yeah, that's you totally, know? I I mean, growing up too, right? With movies and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Like, I didn't realize, because I just kind of accepted, I'm a pretty accepting person. Like, oh, this is how it is. Yeah. But I didn't realize actually, and I'm not usually when it comes to politics and stuff, I'm not the person at the forefront, like fighting for them. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. more Asians in movies. I, I'm not that person. When Crazy Rich Asians came out, I didn't realize how, what a big impact it made to see them on screen i was like this is a really big deal and yeah. i didn't realize growing up like <laughs> like what an impact that had on i me. mean i agree with you i think that, i mean there's a new movie called fire island on hulu and it has joel kim booster and bowen yang two gay a, um, asian comedians but hilarious comedians and um you know it's a it's a gay movie and i have watched gay movies like for a long time and i think even back in the day when netflix with the dvd and you had to like order it and it would come in like five days um and i would never see a movie that i could see myself in and that was like the first gay romance film that i could see myself in and i was like it is 2022 the fact that it is my first time seeing myself in a film yeah. is kind of shocking yeah but then i also all of my favorite movies from like you know the 90s and the 2000 early 2000s are so problematic now yeah. You know, and that's also soul crushing too because I loved Failure to Launch. I loved The Wedding Planner. But when you watch it again, you know, I just watched The Wedding Planner again and there's like a line that um, one of the actresses say and she's like talking about flowers and she's like, you know, if you don't do this right, I'm going to deport you. And it's just like, and then, you know, I, but again, that movie is what made me a wedding planner. You know, so now I'm like, okay, well, in my next, you know, my next big goal is to remake the Wedding Planner movie and I'll play Jennifer Lopez yes. and we'll have a diverse <gasps> queer BIPOC LGBTQIA plus plus cast and it'll be like a remake where maybe she comes back and she's my boss. Oh, you I know, love but it. I would love to do something like that. I would like to make impact, but also at the end of the day, like life is so hard as it is. Like, can we just add a little joy to it? And however I can make joyful impact, that's kind of what I would like to focus on. That's beautiful because yeah. that's. I mean, if you could just make someone's day, make someone a little happier, yes. like that is, I feel like that's the most important stuff in yeah. life, right? Because by the time we're like dead, you know, what do you take with you? Yeah. It's like your memories, right? Yes. The impact you've had on other people. Yeah. And I do think while doing that work, I'm now reminded about making sure that I'm taking care of myself first, which is so hard for me because again, my job is to make sure that someone else is taken care of and all their needs are met. Um you know, I think I, I, I'm trying to find the balance right now of like what it means to show for myself first and how that looks like. And and even being able to not, you know, I, I always want to show up for other people, but even being mindful enough to say like, I don't really have the capacity today. 
like to take this phone call yeah versus always being like oh hey like and giving them the hour you know that i would right. normally do and i think that's like the work that i'm i'm doing you know yes and i don't know maybe when you bring me back for like a check-in two years later <laughs> i do think that trauma and pain kind of maybe manifests in body and i do think that the reason i've been out of shape for so long is because i've been carrying stuff with me so i'm hoping that when i'm fully healed i'm gonna look you know like a, a greek god but even that is that problematic <laughs> no i think why not an asian god why can't i be an asian god why'd have to be a greek god <laughs> well, it's healthy i yeah. think that's a, healthy that's yes. is yeah i don't need the healthy. apac but i would just like to feel confident and joyful in my body and i would like to be able to like take my shirt off and sit in this chair and not be worried about like my my fupa showing you know what i mean i think that would be um joy for me right you're talking about like pain being stored in the body i totally believe yeah. that it's true everything's yeah. energy um i got work done once where i forgot exactly what it's called but like something where they like massage your fascia it's very painful it was some guy in Kauai, very handsome guy. Oh, isn't it like um like is it like draining or something like that? What is it called? Oh, uh Don't they like think, do it on your face too with like a uh, the like, gua sha thing? Oh, it's called gua sha? No, no, no. That the gua sha is the the Chinese that jade thing. Oh, but yeah. you're right, he did my face too. I look like beat the fuck up after. <laughs> no, I did. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, I look like I just got <laughs> jumped. But the whole Hush! No, what people do it, to their it, bodies okay. for, for beauty. Okay, this is not for everyone, but I do think there's some truth that there is pain stored in the body. Yeah, and so the whole point of it is he's releasing everything. Like there's muscles everywhere, right? There's muscles in your face, and then he was like, "Can you hear it? It's like crunchy when I move, you know, my knuckles over." I'm like, "Yeah," and especially our jaws. When he did my jaw, the I mean, the fist you're making are already scaring me. Of I need you to put your foot down. <laughs> you cry. It's like the, the the way you cry is like the way you cry when you're a kid and in yeah. so much pain. I'm like, it hurts. You're broken down to that point. And he's like, this is the release. Like, here I go. And it's it does work because afterwards you just I felt completely different. And I just looked at myself yeah. differently. It was very physically painful. But I do think um, to your point that stuff is stored is that kind body. of like based with cheat because i've been I, I just recently started dabbling in acupuncture it's it's all kind of like those kind of modalities yeah he had like a heated like jade rug and chakras like all that yeah. stuff which uh i'm into and i love learning and me trying too. different things yeah um if you're ever curious i can <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing is i think i think you know, and maybe that's the difference between this generation and, and the former with our parents who really had to learn just to survive, right? Like they're, they're, you know, again, I don't know if I'm even saying their generations correctly, but I feel like my parents were, were immigrated here and they, their sole goal was to just acclimate and survive. Yeah. And I think we carry some of that yes. behavior because yeah. we learned it, but I think we've also been privileged enough and like, blessed enough to have opportunity to be like i don't fucking like this yeah and if i don't fucking like this then i don't want to fucking do it yeah. and then being able to say like you know what this doesn't bring me joy so now i might want to do something different and i think the one thing i do find so um optimistic about the the future generations is you know social media has total terrible impact in life but also has such great impact in the sense that you know we're learning about so many things through these kids that are teaching it on tiktok and 
just to make a fucking TikTok is so hard. It's, yeah. It's, it's so hard. It takes a lot of time I to know, make the good but... ones where the cuts like match the music. Yeah, and, when they, like, and then they like can flip their clothes and even just to dance. <laughs> like I keep missing those dance classes that you're going to and I'm going to go to one. But I mean, it's just choreography is so hard too. But I definitely think that brings me a lot of hope is that, you know, even though so much shit is going on in the world, like at least we now have more um, people that are speaking up. Yes. And, uh, you know, you were saying earlier that you're not somebody who's going to be at the front line, like marching. I, I, I don't think I don't, I don't even know if I am either, but I think I found myself more comfortable to do it because I think I have been othered for so long that I'm like using a lot of that to also be able to show up and, and say, you know what, if no one's going to do, it, I'm going to fucking do it because I've been doing it by myself for so long anyway. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lovely conversation. Yeah. And I would love to have you back on. I do. We have talked before because we were doing Insta stories a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we work well together. Oh, 100%. In that I like you, you're funny, naturally. You're, you're the, funny. You're the too. funny one. My, my humor is different. Though. I love your humor. I, <laughs> I love little, your humor. But I can recognize it. So I yeah. feel like together we could like do a 10 part series or something. Yes. I, would, I think we should do an actual like. Maybe we do. I mean, I was talking to one of my healer friends, and and she's an amazing drag queen, and she and I were talking about doing a series where we go and like experience wellness adventures together. Yeah, so, but I think like there's that. stuff that we can totally do. And I and again, I appreciate you bringing me on your platform, and and I love the fact that you constantly are sharing education and information for people to be better. I think that's like you know a really really great way for you to make impact in life. So thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, if people would like to DM you or reach out to you, where is the best place to reach um, you? My Instagram is Jason Roars, like a lion, I'm a Leo, a textbook Leo. So I don't know if that scares you or not, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's Jason Roars and um, I'm pretty much on Instagram. You know, that's where that's I the best place. act my foolery. So uh, you can find me there. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.